The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2015 Twin Cities Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. Glad you guys are here. Glad you guys are doing TCP 2015. This is TCP 2.0. 2.0 has a few more things than 1.0. This is one of the new things. The Segway Tour is a new thing. Um, uh, the book is different. So I think doing TCP every year will be a bit of a different content. There's different speakers this year. Um, last year it was mostly staff. This year it's all, I might pop in there once, but it's all of us are CO graduates. And talking on different topics about what it, what it's been like to be a grad off the campus and what that transition looked like. And giving you insight from that side as you're on the way to that side. Some of you, who here has not yet graduated? Okay, one, two, about well, half. Um, so this is very helpful for undergrads because you're trying to figure out, what do I do after I graduate? Could it be this? I'm going to try this on. And the rest of you who are graduates, this is meant to be a bit of a bridge and some exposure, some contextualization, some experience, some perspective on transition into a different culture for discipleship, and then hit the ground running in the fall. And if you're in the cities, at Bethlehem, get involved with small groups, or going to Michigan, help you get put in a church somewhere, somewhere there. But really glad you're here for this. And I'm going to talk tonight on scent in the cities, and kind of frame up what this summer is meant to be, to a degree. Um, so let me pray, and we'll get into that. God, we are, because we're Christians, we're set ones. That's part of our, our DNA, and whether we are um, in Australia, or Minneapolis, or Waterloo, Iowa, or wherever we are in the world, we're, we're sent. We're on a mission and for your glory and our good and the joy of other people. And this summer, we're here in these Twin Cities. And may you be pleased to use this summer and this moment, this place now, to form the gospel more deeply in our hearts, to form a vision for making disciples of all nations, and that we would, with a glad, happy heart, make that our aim for the rest of our lives, until we get to enjoy you forever in glory. May we be eager to take others with us. So, use tonight to that end in Jesus' name. Amen. Why um, TCP? I'm going to start with why TCP, and then I'm going to go just maybe 60 seconds in scent, and a longer time about city in general, and then we're going to talk about the Twin Cities and our unique context here for you. The summer, at first... Some of you, maybe many of you, context longer than that. Um, but why TCP? And you first ask, what is success in college ministry? And two answers I'm going to give for what success is in college ministry. And both of them came from the guy who was discipling me when I was a student. This, this comes from like 15 years ago. Um, but I haven't forgotten what Jim, Jim Luby, he was the campus director. I wasn't, uh, I... 
I cut my teeth in discipleship as a student with the Navigators. I was on staff with the Navigators for five years. I actually, uh, a student with the Navigators at Northern Iowa, and then I graduated, and I taught for two years. I know what it's like to not be on the college campus. I know what it's like to try and make disciples in the workplace, in the neighborhood. I taught sixth grade social studies for two years, coached high school basketball. They want staff with the Navigators for five years, and I've been on the campus outreach for six years, um, doing the mobilization stuff. But Jim, when I was a student at Northern Iowa, uh, he said, um, what is success in college? He's asked me that. What is success in college ministry? Because to us, success is seeing you 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now still walking with Jesus, helping other people walk with Jesus. So this isn't, if you've graduated, that wasn't success. If you graduate a believer from college, that's not what Campus Outreach is aiming at. CO knows that we're successful if 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, you're still walking with the Lord and laboring in his harvest field. You're living in light of the gospel and laboring in God's harvest field for a lifetime. So Jim was giving me a vision for longevity. The college campus is a springboard. It's a launching pad. It's a season in life. And moving towards something else for a lot of people, most people. So second thing he said to me was, when we see the campus, we see a mission field and a mission sending center. So we see a, the first one was longevity. The second one was labor. We see a mission field and a mission sending center. So a mission field... It's a place, you all know the four E's, cover that, cover that campus outreach, evangelize, establish, equip, export, the discipleship, disciple cycle, here around Andy Knight, disciple cycle. Um, so it's mission field, evangelize, establish, it's a great place where people are exposed to a bunch of ideas, we're not living at our parents' house anymore, we're thinking about things, and lots of people come to faith in Christ in college. And get established, get discipled, get into the Bible and into the gospel and scripture memory for the gospel's people. But it's also a mission sending center. It's evangelize, establish, equipping, and exporting, launching, and, and laboring. And the CEO vision is glorifying God by building laborers on the campus for the lost world. As a mobilization director, the last five years, five, six years, five years, you take that mission statement and you mobilize it. The goal, the aim, is that you would be a laborer off the campus in the lost world. Even if you go on staff with campus outreach, you're not a student anymore. You're off the campus coming back as a graduate doing something. Um, so being a laborer off the campus in the lost world and there's generally one of three lost worlds you're going to find yourself on after you graduate. Some of you are going to get the call to go back to the lost college campus. Then you go on staff with campus outreach. Some of you will have the call to go to the lost nations. And you'll be a missionary. 70% of you over the last five years, about 70-ish percent of you, get the call to the lost neighborhood and workplace. Um, so campus outreach, we've had 
STP and the summer training project is discipleship training contextualized for the college campus loft world. We've had CCP, discipleship training contextualized for the mission field, for the nation's lost world. Last year we started the TCP, Twin Cities Project, discipleship training contextualized for the neighborhood workplace. That's why TCP. A lot of you are going to end up where you are now, um, generally, some specifically in the city. Um, I got my second vote, I'm going to say. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Leave it at that. That's why we're here, that's what we want to accomplish, is that. So, that's the broad. The, the main aim for this talk is I was downtown yesterday. This was fun. I met with a campus outreach graduate that works downtown. He's a small group leader at Bethlehem downtown. He's doing a great job. And uh, I had breakfast with him downtown before he went to work at the Wells Fargo building. And then I met another guy from Bethlehem right after that. I had a few hours to linger, so I went to Dumb Brothers on, on Nicolette and did some actually worked on this talk. And then met with another guy at Bethlehem for lunch. And uh, I was sitting there at Dumb Brothers, and just looking at all the different kinds of people that were going across the window. All different ethnicities of people, all different socioeconomic statuses of people. When you're downtown, you're on Nicolette, you have the panhandlers, the, the poor, the people that are loitering, asking for handouts, and you have the high-powered executives, all on the same street. It's really interesting. And I just felt a, a unique burden for this city and the people in the city. So my, my, my hope would just be that God would be pleased to use this, use this weekend, to do something in your heart that if, if you live here or you live somewhere else, you want to just live there. And, but that you'd live there on a mission. You'd live there with the Great Commission as, as, as an aim. That you'll see people. And you'll see people as eternal beings. We're all immortal, eternal beings. We die and the spirit lives on. We're going to get new bodies. That's either going to be in heaven or in hell forever. And every single person that we saw at they block and, and all that, and it matters. And you don't need to be uptight with a, yeah, I show the gospel every time I see any single person, you know? Um, but so that from this time, you wouldn't just live here, you'd live on mission here. So, sin. You can write down John 17, 18. Don't have to turn there. Sent. Jesus said, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. That's where the sent DNA comes from. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He says that to his disciples a couple of chapters later in 20 or 21 in John. So we're sent ones. We're sent in the cities this summer. City in general. I'm going to give a disclaimer. So I'm going to talk about, about the city. I'm not going to talk about towns and villages and suburbs as much. So cities are not the only places on the globe that need Christians to both minister and live, live there. I grew up in a small town in Iowa of 1,200 people. My wife grew up in the country in Nebraska in the nearest town of 600 people. The nearest Walmart was an hour and a half away. When they wanted to go to Walmart, they went once a month and took a weekend trip. <laughs> you know? They didn't do it overnight, but you'd have your list, 
we're going to go to town, you know. Um, and they hitched their wagon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, but that matters. We need gospel witness in the cities, in the suburbs, in the rural areas. Jesus, through the gospels, he went in and out of cities and villages. So he didn't just do one. He was in cities and villages. Um, so that it matters. Um, so if you sense your life is moving you toward a rural ministry, or a village town ministry, you shouldn't feel second rate. Oh, you did something wrong. Well, oh, that's bad. That's good. Ends up on both feet. And if that's where you end up, what this will do is just help you see what's going on in the world while you're going to this other thing that's not a city. Now, about cities, you may have heard some of these stats, but the world is migrating to cities. Um, the world is migrating to cities. So in 1900, here's a couple of fast facts. In 1900, only 14% of the population was urban in the world. The world's population, 1900, 14% urban. In 2011, over 50% of the world's population is urban. Over half. In the developed Western world, 70% is urban. 70% is there. The, the UN, United Nations, their stat, almost 180,000 people a day are moving to a city. Almost 180,000 people a day. So doing the math, that's about 5.5 million people a month moving into a city, moving into an urban area. The, the, the Twin Cities metro area, we are 3.5-ish million people, 3.54 million. So you have more than, than a Twin Cities every month, <laughs> you know, or it's going, it's going into that. Um, so one reason for focusing on cities is because people are moving there and we love people. That's, that's one thing. Um, the church's posture toward the city is, I think it's unique. I've been listening, there are four or five really good talks from Tim Keller on the city. I listened to all of them in the last couple weeks. And uh, these, all of his talks aren't free, but these are free. And, and he noted that the first couple of hundred years AD, the Roman Empire, it was very urban and pluralistic. And the church was birthed in a situation where Rome was covering territory in Africa, the Germanic tribes, that in England, those different pagan barbarian areas, um, and you get all the you get Africans, you get Germanic peoples, you get Anglo-Saxon peoples, you get Italian, you get um, the Eastern European. Um, I don't know how far they went into Asian areas, um, but pluralistic, different religions different cultures are coming and the world is more urban. And Keller was saying the church's situation is more like the first and second century than it's ever been before. Very pluralistic, very very urban world, very pluralistic world. Lots of different people with different backgrounds are around each other here. And the church thrived 
The church thrived, though it was persecuted, though it was trying to, to find its way in this urban pluralistic situation, it thrived. I don't know when, but last couple centuries, the church would retreat from the city. And it was dangerous. And it was expensive. And it was crowded. And it was immoral. And it wasn't a good place to raise a family. Um, and then in the last few years, Tim Keller and others have raised the city and, and urban back into the Christian conscience. Consciousness, maybe. Um, and there's more activity there. And Bethlehem, we have a north campus, south campus, downtown campus. And Bethlehem is a unique urban and suburban <laughs> uh, church. But many churches that have a building, or Bethlehem has a building, left the inner core. When I think of evangelical churches downtown here, I think of Bethlehem, um, there's a First Covenant a few blocks down, and then there's a um, Triclos Church. Uh, yeah, Hope. Then maybe a Baptist church. Uh, there's a First Baptist. That's the other side of Nicolette. Um, and the East Downtown Council, they have a goal that by 2025, they want to double the population downtown. And I don't know if you've noticed all the cranes, all the construction. Um, so they have a goal of 15,000 more housing units by 2025. And they want... That, that's like 35, 40,000 more people. They're paving the way to try and get. So the world is migrating generally into cities. Minneapolis is trying to draw people. Getting more bike lanes, making transportation easier. The light rail, the public transit, trying to make it this more of a dense, a more dense city. So it's exciting. That's a unique time. So the earth, here's, here's the question. The earth is full of expanses of open space. They're still. So people aren't moving to cities because there's no room. Um, so why are people moving into cities? Well, there's all this other space they can move to. That's even cheaper. And, I mean, maybe cleaner and not as loud. And, and so a city, what makes a city a city is density plus diversity. Those two things. Density and diversity. Um, and what density and diversity brings, so these two D's bring two P's. Density and diversity, um, put that together, it equals productivity and pleasure. People come to cities for productivity and for pleasure. Productivity, in a city, there are more people like you and more people unlike you than anywhere else in, in the world. And it's by, this is a quote from Oracle I read, it's by bumping up against other people in conflict and cooperation that we acquire a sharpened picture of the world and of ourselves. So, in a city, a bunch of people who are different and alike are close together, and collaboration happens. When collaboration happens, more productivity <coughs> is a result. Have you noticed how... Um, Industries gravitate toward areas. You have Silicon Valley, tech, um, DC, state, uh, government, um, Athens, 
Why is so much philosophy and wisdom come out of Athens? Because you had all these thinkers in one place at one time, kind of on top of each other, <laughs> refining each other's thoughts and, and doing things. So there's productivity. Kenny Stokes told me that every weekday, 500,000 people come downtown to work. And they could go, they could scatter all over the place, but you come down here because you can collaborate in one place all the time and it's inspiring and all these different things going on. So proximity promotes collaboration and better productivity. The pleasure, the, the pleasure, where are most art museums? Where are the big professional ballparks? Where are the high paying jobs? Where are the best parks? Where are the award-winning restaurants? Where are the five-star restaurants? Where are the, not, in, not in Denver, Iowa, 1,200 people. You know? You get some uniqueness. Some, you get excellence. You get excellence. You get excellent things to enjoy. But there's a deeper reason why people come to cities, too. And whether people acknowledge it or not, there's a movement toward the city because God is moving the flow of history toward the city. God is moving the flow of history toward the city. Two things about that. Meredith Klein, I don't know if he is a theologian. Um, I've never read a book by him. I've heard of him, but I got this quote. <laughs> um, it says, the city, what's a city? A city is mankind culturally formed. A city is mankind culturally formed. And just a verse about mankind and people, and then a verse about culturally formed. So they're both in Genesis. I'm just going to read these. Genesis 1, 27, I think some 28 too. You know, you know this one, if you've been around church for a while. God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth with people, 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 people. Um... So this garden mandate of multiplication, the couple, Adam and Eve in the garden, are meant to multiply, and that provides the citizens of the city. So people culturally formed, not just people randomly scattered all the place out there doing kind of whatever. It's God put made people to do something. In Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. To work the garden and to keep the garden. The garden, what do gardeners do? Gardeners don't destroy nature. Gardeners um, don't leave nature the way it is. Gardeners cultivate nature. Gardeners enhance nature. They beautify. They organize nature. They cause it to be more, more fruitful. So the cultivation of Earth's resources into shelters, roads, schools, grocery stores, law, sanitation, that provides the structures of the city. They allow people to be around other people and not get diseased and die. And to not have life be all fights. We have law and justice and police departments. And in the book we're going to read, Last Days Matter, here's what Stephen Um and Justin Buzzard conclude. They say, city building is not an accidental sociological development. City building is God's idea, God's invention, and God's intention. A city is not accidental, and a city 
is not invented by man. Man just recognized what God, the, the potentials God has placed in the world. I mean, again, city, city building is not an accidental sociological development. City building is God's idea. It's his invention. It's his intention. Look at the Bible from cover to cover. way you can put it simply is the biblical narrative starts in the Garden. It starts in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 1, and it ends in Revelation 21-22 in a city. It's the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from, from God. It's from Garden to Garden City is where it goes. God himself is a city builder. Two verses in Hebrews. Hebrews 11, verses 9 through 10. And I'll just read these. You're going to have to look them up. We can reference them. Come back to them later if you want. Hebrews 11, 9 through 10. By faith, Abraham went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents. Uh, rural. Uh, tents. Living in tents with Isaac. It's rural and mobile. Um, Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. God is the designer and builder of the city, and Abraham, who was wandering in his tents, was looking toward a city that God was building. Hebrews eleven sixteen, a few verses later in the same chapter. eleven sixteen. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Heaven is not going to be an individualistic, isolated experience. It's going to be some other urban experience. So when Jesus comes back and ushers in the new heaven and new earth, it's not going to be a return to the Garden of Eden. It's not going to be um, a return to a paradise in the Stone Age. Eden wasn't God's full masterpiece yet. It's not going to be a state park reserve. Uh, and it's not going to be Coruscant. You know what Coruscant is? Star Wars fans? Coruscant is the city planet. And I, I forgot, I read one time on, on Wikipedia, it's, it's imaginary but it has shape definition, it has stats. <laughs> um, and Kursant was a city planet, and it said it had some astronomical number of layers of development over it. Pavement, steel, to where there's no more trees, there's no more streams, there's no more grass. It's just all concrete, steel, whatever. That's not... Um, you have a new earth either. It's not the planet sitting in Star Wars. Um, the new creation is, like I said before, it's the garden city. It has streets, gates, art. has these, these precious jewels in it. And it has a stream running through it. It has the trees that are in it. So it's nature wonderfully organized and beautifully subdued. It's the perfect, immaculate city. 
God is the center. God is the sun. New heavens, new earth. It's nature wonderfully organized and beautifully subdued into a city. And Minneapolis wants to be this. But does anyone know what Minneapolis is? I, I, I told uh, those of you who are leading D groups, I told you what it is. So if you remember, don't, don't say it. Um, but do you know what the little slogan and, and uh, the, the logo for Minneapolis? Not, not, the, not the City of Lakes thing. But if you, go, if you go to the convention center, there's this little, little uh, logo. And it's what Minneapolis aspires to be. Minneapolis, city by nature. Doesn't that sound like, like nature wonderfully subdued? It's it's a city, but it doesn't annihilate nature. And it's it's nature, but it's not just a wild jungle without development. It's what Minneapolis aspires to be. Is what Jesus is going to come and do. But Minneapolis doesn't want it from Jesus. Minneapolis thinks they have a better idea of how a city becomes this way, and they're going to do it their way. And they rebel against Jesus. They deny God. They doesn't exist. In unrighteousness, the city suppresses the truth. Though, want the same thing, but they're going after a different savior themselves to try and achieve it. So here's a grid for us to to think about the city. Think about everything in life, really. Creation, fall, redemption. A three-part grid here. And this is going to help us. I'm going to put this, put Minneapolis, I'll put the twin cities through this grid. So creation, fall, redemption. Creation, God has formed a good world. Okay, so everything that belongs to him, God has formed, formed, formed a good world. There's a good, this is a good world around us. Um, what he's made is good. Fall, sin has marred God's good world. What God has formed, sin has deformed. So form, deformed by the fall, and then redemption. We are now to engage in the removal of the effects of sin. We're going to take the parasite off. It's a good body with a parasite on it. And the parasite has made the body sick and, and ill and doesn't think right anymore. And, and pull it off. Reformed. Reformed. Formed, deformed, reformed. That's what we want. So one, formed, building a city is not wrong. God is building a city. Okay? So it's a, creation, a city is a creational good. When a construction worker is out there welding on that new stadium over there, it's a good thing. He's imaging God's creational work. Traffic laws are good things. We should be organized. We should, building a city is a good thing. But cities deformed. So how does sin enter our city? It's idolatry, which leads to oppression. Idolatry leading to oppression. Idolatry. Idolatry is disordered worship. This, we're all worshipers, no matter who we are, 
if we say we're non-religious, if we say we're um, Buddhist, um, everyone's a worshiper. So no matter what the object of that worship is. And idolatry is disordered worship. And you can write down this reference, Genesis 11.4. And we get, we get a little x-ray, a little MRI, into the motivation of city building. There's a tower of Babel. Genesis 11.4. For these people. Then they said, come. Let us build ourselves a city. And a tower with its top in the heavens. Why? Why do they want to build this city? And let us make a name for ourselves. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. We want to make a city that we can receive worship. And lots of people come to cities to prove they can make it. If you listen to Tim Keller's sermons, you may have heard this before. But if, if you're very talented in Denver, Iowa, 1,200 people, you're a talented violin player. And you think, I'm going to go to New York City and try and get a record deal. And you go to New York City, and you're on the subway, and the poor person on the subway playing the violin to get money thrown in the hat is a way better violin player than you are. <laughs> and then you're all, all distraught. People go to cities to, to prove they can make it, to prove they're somebody, to make a name for themselves. Frank Sinatra's song... Um, if I can make it in New York, I can make it anywhere. Kind of thing. Unapproved. Unapproved. Prove myself. That's idolatry. Um, build a city. Build your own city. Get a degree. Get a job. Get a home. I have my own little city in my home. Make a name for myself. Um, so when the, city, when, the, when the city's activities send the message that there is no God, that the city is an evolutionary freak, and there are no norms to live by, Sin is under the city. Or when the city says, so when it says there is no God, or when it says I am God, sin has entered the city. It's fallen. It's a creative achievement of the autonomous self. It's gone wayward. And when that happens, when idolatry happens, oppression comes right after it. Oppression comes right after it. Because you will you will step on anybody to get your worship. To get your worship, you don't serve people, they serve you. You get people to serve you, you oppress. And you do it in kind, gentle ways, Minnesota nice ways. Um, you oppress the environment of the city. Leave it worse than when you found it. Um, you oppress your neighbor. You don't care about your neighbor, but you exploit your neighbor. Um, sin is in, in the city. So you take this form city and deform city, and then you reform. Jesus came to renew creation, and we should care about a renewed city. The, the gospel is big enough that as far as the curse is found, it wants to go there and redeem it. So every, every sphere of human existence, everything in the city, from medicine, law, education, families, business, politics, the gospel wants to go there and take what is corrupt and renew it. So that it might worship. It might lend itself to worship God. Everything I've lend itself to worship God. That's probably, I mean, Jesus' prayer, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, pray for it, pursue it. 
But Jeremiah 29, 4-7, you can turn there, turn to that one. Jeremiah 29, 4-7. It gives us the posture of the city. Our posture, what should we call the city? Jeremiah 29, 4-7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So, from one city, Jerusalem, to a different, Babylon. From God's city, Jerusalem, that's, that, that, that means God's peace. Jeru is a derivative of God, and Salem, Shalom, peace, God's peace. The city of God to Babylon, the pagan city, the not city of God. You were exiles. So they were exiles. They, they didn't choose to go there. They didn't find a great high-paying job. They didn't find a city that had great museums and cool park system and good livable. They, they, were, they were captured. And I have to verify this commentary I heard on it was the Babylonians took captive basically the creative class from Jerusalem. They left the, the serfs and took the lords, the, the elites, uh, whatever, the, the culture-forming people, and brought them into Babylon to enculturate them into pagan ways. If they could enculturate the creative class, send them back, they would affect the whole, the whole thing. So you're taking, you're breaking up families. You're, um, it's uh, not not a good, happy existence. You're in exile. You're marginalized. You're not in the mainstream. Um, let's keep reading. What does he say to the exiles? Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, and do not decrease. He doesn't say, keep, keep arm's length. Don't get too close to the city, because they're trying to convert you. And everything is always trying to convert you um, away from, from Jesus. Our own, I mean, our own flesh. The world, the flesh, the devil, us, the enemies. Our own heart is, is, is wayward. So it's not... Take a posture of separate and, and against, but some um, authors this book change the world, but be faithful presence within. Don't separate and just be against, but recognize the good things in the city and affirm. Recognize the wayward, sinful things in the city and challenge. But he's saying get rooted, get involved there. Then look at, see, this is verse, is this verse 7 I'm at now? What's he tell them to do? After he says, get rooted in, he says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So you're living in the Twin Cities summer, and your welfare is linked to the Twin Cities welfare. And 
the amount of good that comes to you has a ceiling based on the amount of good that's coming to the Twin Cities. Um, and God is telling his people, though they did you wrong, though they are your enemies, though they captured you, though they ruined your families, though they may have plundered you and stolen your property, though they seek their, seek their welfare, seek to build their city, not just your own little city. So we shouldn't just care about our church or our D group or our campus or our family. We care about our city. We seek its welfare. We should seek it and pray for it. And cities aren't just institutions with all these different conglomerations of, of government, leisure, education, medicine, and that. These are people. All these things I've been mentioning, these, these amenities are there for people. They serve people. So as Christians, we want a city server. We want also individual people serve. We want this especially for people. People are uniquely made in the image of God, and it's a unique pleasure to him to be reconciled to us. He wants to be reconciled to the whole creation. The whole creation is groaning and crying out for redemption. The whole creation. That's a unique pleasure to God for us, his people, and his image to be reconciled to him. So, if you've received the gospel, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you're a new creation. Uh, you're a new creation. You've been newly formed by God. In the book of Acts, Acts has this forming and filling thing. So Acts 4.31, God fills his people with the Holy Spirit. Boom. And Acts 5.28, these spirit-filled people now have power from God to fill their city with their teaching, the gospel of Jesus. Remember when uh, um, they're just noting how these apostles are filling their city with this teaching. And this proclaimed word forms more people into new creation, filling the city with more worshipers. That's the Great Commission, making disciples of all nations. Um, so we're here to serve the Twin Cities, to do it good. We're here to fill the Twin Cities with disciples of Jesus. To share the gospel and see new Christians form and, and see God's worship increase as worshipers increase. So a question, this is going to be, who is, it, who, who is the Twin Cities? Who, it, who is Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Um, what, what, what defines our dynamics here? What defines our culture here? Uh, I'm not going to ask you to pinpoint a, a, um, a main distinctive feature, but you could do that. Uh, I think I have some ideas. Washington, D.C. is power. That's, that's the meta theme for that city. That's what defines our city. Silicon Valley, they're saying, is, is new. Developing being new. Uh, Athens was wisdom. You know, that was their, their, their God. Who is the Twin Cities? What about the Twin Cities is good so that God is formed to enjoy? I'm going to have you write these, things, write these three things down. So I'm going to have you write these three things. 
then create space to make a list. I want to have you guys think about this and answer these questions. I'm going to need you back up here, Nick. If, if that's a, I said a button and it'll be all good. So I'm going to have you answer three questions. What about the Twin Cities is good? What has God formed that you should enjoy? One. Two. What about the cities is corrupted? Deformed? What should you be challenging? Three. How can the cities be reformed? Form, deformed, reformed. And I'm going to give you a list to kind of jog your thoughts here. Did you those Yep. What about the cities is good to enjoy? What about the cities is corrupted? Deformed? How can the cities be reformed? How can we serve? How can we serve the cities? And here I have a list of just some distinctive features of the cities. Kind of get your, get your mind going. I want you to write some things down on your paper. And you can read those on your own. Just some, some uh, data pulled up last couple of days. It's interesting. These, these best in the last year, um, the, these these surveys went out, and so th these are all in the last year, where it's the most literate city. This Minneapolis just <laughs> eclipsed Boston for most literate city in the U.S. Um, St. Paul is the thirteenth most liberal city in the U.S. Minneapolis is six, higher than New York City. New York is dense and iconic. People know about it. But our ethos here is even more distinctly that way. I, I learned this today. I, I, hadn't, I didn't know that. Um, but you know Hennepin? Is there a father of Hennepin? Hennepin Avenue and all that? Father Hennepin Island out there? Uh, priest that came. It wasn't Hennepin that came to do this. There was <coughs> two guys named Pond. <laughs> So write some things down. Here's another question for you. And I want you to write down my answer if you can. I want you to answer why are you in the cities this summer? And I have two 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 strands. Two categories under there. And I, I know you're here for two reasons in general. And for one of those reasons is God has you in the Twin Cities because he wants to use the cities to form something in you. So there's, you're here for your sanctification, for your growth and grace. And um, often cities can challenge people in many ways. So the two ways I want you to, to, to really ask the Lord about this right now and just whatever comes to mind, just ask him, what, what do you have me for? What do you have me here for this summer? Um, 
So one, a way the city might grow me. Two, how I might serve. Why I might be here. Who? It could be a name of a person. It could be a group of people. Maybe you're jazzed about ref, uh, refugee, refugee life ministries, and the, the, the immigrant population here is huge, especially in Somalia. But many, I think one in four Hmong people in the U.S. live in the cities. Huge Hmong population here. Um, so it could be it could be a whole slew of different things. And I didn't. So I'm not the smart guy that engineers things well, uh, but these these classroom activities would be great things for D group discussion after this. I wasn't thinking. Ah, I think of some good D group discussion things to do here. Um, but it would be great for to share and talk about when you guys get together tonight. Okay, last thing. When I, I did this purposely, I wanted you to think about how you may want to be involved in being helpful toward others this summer before I expose you to different channels that I could take, different routes that stream could go, go in. Um, one, first a long-term one. I mentioned before that uh-oh, the city is paving the way for this to happen. So these are being built over there's all over downtown here and there's a, a small group leader that lives in a high-rise apartment building downtown here they moved here a couple years ago 360 people live in that in that building and each one of these buildings that's going up to saturate downtown for people um, it's its own neighborhood and community there's a running club in there there's like a building association, it's it's like it's like dorm life. <laughs> that may sound unexciting. <laughs> it's like adult. It's it's not. I mean, adults and being in college. It's career. It's it's career community, and I just wondered. I don't know. Um, for for Bethlehem people that come and move downtown, living within a mile of the church building, and taking a, one of these buildings for, for Jesus, you know. And Mike and Tracy Roosh live in one over here. It's actually, it's the building that Al Franken lives in when he's in Minnesota. <laughs> it's kind of ritzy, kind of nice place. Um, but there's very secular people, tends to be empty nesters in 20s and 30s. I actually... I came out of the Guthrie Theater a, month, a few months ago, and uh, I thought of a guy. He's walking two big, massive dogs. And I started talking to him, and he came out of a building that looked like this. That's you, You'll see it when I go to the park tomorrow. That's right by Izzy's ice cream. Um, and he said, there's like 70 people in that building and 50 dogs. <laughs> <laughs> there's tons of, tons of dogs. Um, so it's, generally it's, the dogs are the kids in the family. Now, if you have a dog, it doesn't mean that you should love your kid. I mean, it's not going to have dogs. Um, but there's a stat. There's a stat somewhere that was like, there's more dogs than kids. Now, in some 
in the U.S. I saw that. Um, there's interesting stuff. So one long range. Some of you may be called to move one of these new satellite condos down here and be a be a, a downtowner. Um, the other this summer on page eight, nine, and ten of this is just different opportunities to serve. Different things that. Mike Tong is going to be here tomorrow. He's going to highlight this. Ask him to come and talk about mercy. Um, and highlight some things in here. But I want to know particularly on page 10, the Phillips, Phillips Club for Children and Youth. That meets in my neighborhood, Nick's neighborhood, Phillips. Second highest crime rate in the cities. Lots of kids running around there without supervision, and uh, it's a sweet thing that's starting to emerge there, and it's led by CEO grads. Um, really involved in doing that. That's that's a Monday night thing, and they're they, they'd love to have a couple people help with that this summer. They can use some people, so it'd be, it'd be a great experience and really rewarding and tough. <laughs> Urban, urban kids that don't have parents that teach them discipline are crazy. <laughs> um, that's good. Let me pray, and then they can come and give us direction, man. God, life is most satisfying if what is in your heart makes its way into our heart. And when your priorities become our priorities, and when we love what you love, and even more... Even deeper than that is we receive your love for us. And no one here has to do any anything on these on this list. No one here has to serve in any way for you to love them. They have to serve in any way to be saved. So may everyone here be at rest. I don't want what was said to, to provoke a restlessness and a sense of proving and I'm not doing enough and and he's, God's not pleased with me enough so he's trying to do more. But I pray that you would do a, a miraculous work. And out of the simple fact that you love us just because you choose to love us, the, the weakest of faith gives us union with Christ and gives us your favor. It's not being a strong person. It's not being a busy person. It's not being someone that's on their knees often in the soup kitchen serving others and getting low. Though, being born of you and receiving your steadfast love can have that effect to a degree, not a perfect, perfect way. We're all sinners just really struggling just to love you, much less other people. So, God help us. May what is helpful in the gospel sense really land. Send your spirit, send your spirit to pour out your love into our hearts. Um, and cause the gospel to land in a way that would help us be faithful in this context. Do the same. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at cominneapolis.org.